Thank you, team. So great to be together today in his house and this Mission Sunday to be able to focus on the nations, to hear of the impact that we're having around the world and to be encouraged to let's not grow weary in doing good. Amen. Yep. Just want to share, uh, bring greetings from Pastor Jack and Carol. Pastor Jack is uh, currently over at In Church Phoenix. He's speaking there this weekend uh, in their church services. He also this week got to go and visit uh, Pastor Ralph Rosas, who's in prison in Mexico. Um, and you may not know Pastor Ralph is, uh, we've supported him in the past. He was a pastor in Mexico, was wrongly accused and put in prison nine years, I think it was nine years ago at least, and he's had no trial and he's still been kept in prison for that time. And it's incredible. We're praying for a miracle. It could change overnight, but we just need God to do something. Amen. So Pastor Jack got to go and visit him and minister to 60 prisoners there in the prison in the midst of, uh, praise God. I just love, you know, Pastor Ralph has every reason to feel like he's been wronged, he's been, you know, he's in the worst of circumstance and yet God is using him to do amazing things. They're training people in faith, they've got a Bible training course that they hold there in the prison and you see the results there of what God is doing. And so please be in prayer for Pastor Ralph. Let's believe for a miracle that he would get released and that he'd be able to uh, get free from that situation. But also at the same time, God is doing amazing things. And then Pastor Carol, uh, she's in Tamworth this weekend with her daughter, uh, preparing for their seventh grandchild, uh, who's going to be born very soon. And so be praying for them and be praying for Pastor Carol too, uh, for her healing. She's uh, been dealing with sciatica and uh, let's believe for a miracle for her too as well. And finally, I just want to honour my wife because this year we celebrate, uh, this week, sorry, we celebrate 19 years, our 19th anniversary. And... uh, She's a blessing to me. She brings out the best in me, even if sometimes she says too much information about my sickness. (laughs) You can watch last week's recording if you missed that. But I'm feeling better now, which is good news. Anyway, on to today. Um, You know, I mean, considering this question, I want you to ponder this with me. Have you considered about the legacy that you want to leave in your life. What impact do you want to have in this world? Now, I believe that in each and every heart, in each and every person, we have a desire to make a difference, to have significance in our lives, that we don't just live our lives and get to the end and it's just forgotten. It's all for nothing. You know, The Bible in Ecclesiastes, the the writer talks about how life is like a breath. It's here and it's gone. And life can just pass us by sometimes. But I believe in each and every heart there's a desire that our lives would mean something, that we would have an impact in this earth. You may have heard the, the famous quote by Marcus Aurelius, what we do today will echo in eternity. It's a powerful quote. But at the same time, will what we do today echo in eternity? Like, really, if, if all we do is pursue temporal things, will we have an eternal echo? 
If we're just here looking out for my needs, for what I can gain in life, for my status, for those job opportunities, for my career, will that leave an eternal echo or will it just be here and be gone in a breath? I want to live a life of significance. Not to be significant, but to be, have significance. That my life would mean something. That what I do in this world wouldn't just be gone when I'm, I'm dead and forgotten, but that I would have an eternal impact. That I would leave an eternal legacy in my life. You know, I think to have an eternal legacy, to leave an eternal impact, it probably the best place to start is by following the eternal God. You know, God, he is eternal. He is outside of time. You know, Jesus, he invites us to follow him. You know, and I'm grateful. I'm so thankful that Jesus, he doesn't condemn me. He's not pointing his finger at me. He's just simply saying, hey, Mitch, come follow me. And that's an invitation to each and every one of us. We don't have to, you know, be up to standard or, you know, tick all these boxes. Jesus just simply comes to each and every one of us and says, come, follow me. And I kind of consider following Jesus like this. Stu, come on, come follow me, mate. Let's go, let's go on a journey. I know he's, I've got to convince him a bit. And like Jesus walks us through life. We go through different experiences. Hey, you should meet Neil and Merrill. These guys are pretty good. <laughs> hey, you should. And, and Jesus takes us through life. He guides us. And, you know, he'll take us to different places. Hey, let's go this way. Come on, watch your step. You know, be careful. OH&S, all that stuff. And, you know, when we follow Jesus, we get to see things from his perspective. He changes our perspective. Hey, have a look. Church looks a whole different, a lot different from up here. You know, you can see things differently. And, you know, oh, you should meet here. Cheryl here, meet her. Yeah, and so Jesus takes us places. We get to see things from his point of view. We get to see what he cares about. We get to see what Jesus, what's important to Jesus, what matters to him. Thanks, Stu. Keep following Jesus, just not me. <laughs> but Jesus takes us to places that we might not go in our own strength or we might not think to go. And I look at the disciples. They got to spend three years hanging out with Jesus. And so they got to see how he responded to people, how he touched the leper who no one else would dare to touch, how he cared for the sick and healed them, how he hung out with tax collectors and sinners and people who were, were seen as unseemly. And so the disciples, they spent time following Jesus and he changed their perspective. He took them to places that they probably would have never gone or never even thought to go. And we begin, if we're following Jesus, we begin to see things from his perspective. He takes us out of the norm of life and we see things from an eternal perspective. We see what matters to him, what he cares about. And so, and I love that Jesus, he doesn't just take us on a joyride. He's not just taking us on a, on a, us on a nice bushwalk. He has a purpose in us following him. Matthew 4 verse 19, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He has a purpose that, yes, we would follow him, but in the following, that he would make us. 
He would make us into fishes of men. He would make us into a person who has an eternal legacy. He's not just here and gone, but they would have an impact with their lives. He wants to make us more than we are just on our own. He gives us purpose, eternal purpose. We find our purpose in our pursuit of him. We find life as he leads us, eternal life. And so I want to look at Luke chapter 9, which is a story you may be familiar with. And Jesus is teaching a crowd of several thousand people. There's a whole lot of people there. They've had a long day. And the disciples, they're starting to get it. They see things a bit differently. It says this, As the sun set, the twelve said, Dismiss the crowd so they can go to farms or villages around here and get a room for the night and a bite to eat. We're out in the middle of nowhere. You feed them, Jesus said. They said, We couldn't scrape up more than five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, unless, of course, you want us to go to town ourselves and buy food for everybody. There were more than 5,000 people in the crowd. But he went ahead and directed his disciples, sit them down in groups of about 50. They did what he said, and soon it had everyone seated. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread and fish to the disciples to hand out to the crowd. After the people had all eaten their fill, 12 baskets of leftovers were gathered up. It's a cool story of a great miracle that Jesus did, but I I think about the disciples, they'd spent their time with Jesus, they'd, they were starting to see things from his perspective and they had, they kind of got it because they understood that these people were people in need, they needed food, they needed to go and rest and so they talked to Jesus about it, Jesus something needs to be done, these people need to be fed and the, Jesus agreed but not in the way that they were expecting, you feed them, whoa that's a Jesus, no, 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 no. Look, you got it wrong. Look, these people need food. They've got to go home. And he's like, you feed them. Yeah. Oh, that's what, not what I was expecting, Jesus. That's, yeah, something needs to be done. But his response was, you feed them. Yeah. You do something about it. It's kind of like me leading Stu around and Stu's an electrician. You know, maybe I see a light bulb out and say, Stu, you should do something about that. He's like, no, no, no. There's another guy who can fix that, not me. You know, Jesus leads us through life and he points, things get drawn to our attention and his, his response to us is, you feed them. You know, I think about in our world and I love that we get to be in a church where we talk about making a difference in our world. We see the injustice in our world today. I was thinking about the work that we support in Nepal where we work with Destiny Rescue to stop children being trafficked over the border, taken from their families. And I just think about how desperate these families are in poverty. There is such desperate poverty but that they're willing to take any chance or any opportunity to be able to find work, to be able to find some way to provide for their family. And so children, 10, 12, 15 years old, hear of the opportunity to go and get work and they'll go off with a stranger who takes them away, takes them over the border and they get trafficked into Africa, the Middle East, Europe and are never heard from by their family again. Injustice. Or you think about, you would have seen on the screen today, Pastor Shaddy in Lebanon. I 
spoke to him this week on the phone, and he was sharing with me about how, because of the economic crisis that happened in 2019, how people who had whatever they had saved in the bank until that point, it was completely frozen. They cannot access their money. They could have had $100,000 in the bank. They cannot touch it. It's just a number on a piece of paper. And so people went from having everything to having nothing overnight. People who were rich, who, who had great jobs, lost their jobs, can't access their money, and they can't feed their families in one day. Injustice. Something has to be done. Or in the Democratic Republic of the Congo where we support Dr. Sostin and we're ministering in the prison there, providing food to prisoners, people who are in prison. Yes, many deserve to be there, some don't, but they will go four days without food. That's wrong. Injustice. And we can see these things in our world and we can say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, something needs to be done. Something's got to happen. God, would you do something? And he turns to us and says, you feed them. Yeah. Uh-oh. That's not what Jesus, no, no, you got it wrong. There's someone else who could do it. You feed them. How will we respond? How will we respond to that? Oh, Jesus, the disciples, their response was, it can't be done. It's too much. We can't feed them. There's not enough, doesn't, we don't have enough money. You know, we can't go into, into town. We can't. We can't do that. And we can see the injustices in our world and think it's too big. There's too much to do. It's overwhelming. I hear these stories, I hear these issues, and I think it boggles my mind of the, the evil and injustice in this world. And I think, what can we do? But simply, Jesus says to us, You feed them. It's a challenge. And so I think if we're going to respond to Jesus, if we're actually going to do something, we need fearless faith. Faith that says, Jesus, if you ask me to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't understand it. I don't know how. I don't know the impact that I'm going to be able to have really, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And so we need fearless faith. We've been talking this year about having a courage culture. And when it comes to making a difference in our world, we need fearless faith to step up and do something. To not, to not just sit back. To not, yes, we've got to pray. Yes, we've got to lift people up around the world. But we need to step up and do something. And so we need fearless faith. And I believe fearless faith responds in two ways. Firstly, it responds with bold love. You know, the disciples, they could have easily ignored the situation. Not said anything to Jesus. They could have seen, oh yeah, the people are a bit rowdy, they're a bit hungry. But they could have just gone on. Jesus is teaching them, you know. He is the Son of God. He's teaching the people. Great things are happening and ignored the situation. But they had a heart for the people. They saw the need. They saw that something needed to be done. We need bold love that sees the need and doesn't just push it to the side. How many people in your world, how many people in our Western society, just don't want to see the issues in this world or don't even have the opportunity to see, don't want to hear about children being trafficked. You know, I see those things and I just, in a sense, I want to turn away because it's too dark and it's too ugly. But Jesus looked at me in my worst and he chose to do something. And yet I can't turn away from these situations. I can't turn away 
from widows in Burundi who are left with nothing, living in a hole in the ground, trying to scrape enough by just to survive to care for them and their children. I can't turn away from that. I can't turn away from people around the world who have never heard of Jesus before, who've never heard the gospel. We can't turn away from that. We can't turn away from people in India who are suffering from blindness when a simple cataract surgery would change their life. We need bold love to look, to see that there's an issue, to see that something needs to be done. Bold love steps out and says, there's a problem here and I'm going to do something about it. I'm stirred with compassion. I, I love these people. God, you know, we sung before, teach me how to love like you. We need bold love. Jesus came from heaven. He gave his life for us. What can we do for others? Love sees the need and chooses to do something. Philemon 1 verse 6 to 7 says, And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given you much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Generosity that comes from faith and it's inspired by love. We are a generous church. I'm so grateful that we are part of such an incredibly generous church who gives and gives so that we can make a difference together around the world. Let your generosity be stirred by love, by the love that God has shown to us so that we can show that same love to others. 1 John 4 verse 20 says, If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. That's pretty blunt. Loving God includes loving people. We need bold love that's bold enough to act, to do something, to not just see the need and ignore it, but say something needs to be done and I'm going to step up and do it. If we want to leave an eternal legacy, if we want our life to, to be significant, to have significance, we need fearless faith. And fearless faith responds with bold love. And secondly, fearless faith responds with bold obedience. Bold obedience says, God, if you said it, I'll do it, no matter how impossible or implausible it seems. 1 John 5, verse 1 to 3, the reality test on whether or not we love God's children is this. Do we love God? Do we keep his commands? The proof that we love God comes when we keep his commandments and they are not at all troublesome. Do we love God? Let's obey him. Let's listen to his call and let's respond in obedience. John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. We need bold obedience because we need faith to do what he says because God asks us to do some pretty crazy stuff sometimes. You know, thinking about how God challenges us to give and to sow. Your faithful giving you know, I think about how we celebrate giving money away every year at our missions conference. Yeah. We're a bit crazy when it comes to stuff like that. When Jesus encourages the disciples to feed 5,000 people, you need faith to respond to that yeah. because it doesn't make sense. 
you know, the, the disciples thought the disciples had a good plan. Send the people home, let them stop at Macca's on the way, and they'll be good. They had a good plan. It made sense. Jesus' plan didn't make sense. God asks us to do things that don't make sense sometimes. I want you to give this much this year. Oh, that doesn't make sense. How am I going to do that, God? And yet we need bold obedience to obey him, to step out in faith and say, Jesus, if you said it, I'm going to do it. I think great things happen. Miracles happen in the act of obedience. There's a story in Luke 17 of of 10 lepers who come to Jesus and they're, they're asking for healing. And it says this in verse 14, He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. As they went, as they responded in obedience to Jesus' command, the miracle happened. If they just stood there, I don't know if anything might have happened. But as they went, you think of the disciples in that story feeding the 5,000. Jesus prayed over the, the bread and the fish, and then he gave it to them. And he said, distribute it. The miracle happened in the distribution. It's not like suddenly there were 5,000 pieces of, of food. It happened as they started responding in obedience. As they stepped out in faith and did what Jesus asked them to do, the miracle happened. We need bold obedience. That when Jesus says, you do it, you feed them, you give, you reach out to that person in your neighbourhood, you reach out to that person who's doing it tough in your workplace. When we respond in bold obedience, miracles happen. Amazing things happen. But we need bold obedience. We need faith to step out and say, Jesus, if you said it, I'm going to do it. You know, God might have prompted you this year to give to missions. And you might think, that's crazy. I'm, Jesus, have you seen my bank account? Have you seen the interest rates? How can I do that? And yet we need bold obedience to respond to his call to say, Jesus, if you said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out in faith. Just look at that. You know, maybe we can think sometimes, I don't know what sort of difference I can make. You know, you look at what I can give. How is that really going to make a difference in this world? But just look at that boy. He came with five loaves and two fish. There's 5,000 people there. What really is that going to do? Might feed 10, 20 people if you're lucky. But yet he came and gave what he had. He put it in the hands of Jesus and 5,000 people will be fed, were fed. What could your gift do? It might not seem like much. It might seem crazy. But yet when Jesus asks us to do something, let's step out in bold obedience and do it. If we want to leave an eternal legacy, we need fearless faith. And fearless faith, it responds with bold love and bold obedience. Can't find the team to come. So I want my life to mean something. I don't want to get to the end of my years and think, what did I really do? Let's make an impact on this earth. Let's let's have that that quote ringing in our ears, what we do today will echo for eternity. Not chasing the temporal, but chasing the eternal. Following Jesus, listening to his call, allowing him to change our perspective and then responding in fearless faith. Don't pursue temporal things, pursue the eternal. Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30 says, Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. 
Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Follow Jesus. Allow him to change your perspective. And it's not like you've got to drum up the courage to give, to be generous. It's just a part of your life, a part of walking with him and working with him. As we give to missions, as we sow into the nations, your generosity will have an eternal impact. Let's live a life of fearless faith, responding in bold love and bold obedience. Amen. Can I ask you to stand as I pray of you? Lord, I thank you for your church. Lord, I thank you for the generous heart that's in this place. Lord, the sacrificial giving that, Lord, that in the people are responding to your call. And I pray that you would help us to see things afresh from your perspective, that we would respond with fearless faith. Lord, not just living for ourselves, Lord, not just living for these years that we have here, but let us have an eternal perspective. Lord, we want to respond to you, to your call. Help us to see, Lord, what you see. Help us to see those in need. Help us to see, Lord, what is happening in our world and help us to respond to do something about it. We love you, Jesus, and we glorify you in your wonderful name. Amen.